Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome back, folks. We are joined by Arnie Filko, former CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater New Orleans. He's uh, visited Ukraine several times and has um, embarked upon a uh, new endeavor to help uh, the kids who are the victims of that horrible uh, war that's going on there. And he joins us after he just returns from a recent trip there. Arnie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Noel. I, I very much appreciate it. And um, as you say, I just returned over the weekend from uh, five days in Ukraine and had some really interesting meetings and great perspective on what's happening right now with the conflict over there. And, uh, you know, happy to talk to you about all of that. So obviously, you know uh, what the chatter has been here as it relates to the aid to Ukraine, military aid, that is. And uh, there's been this UN cry from the Ukrainians that things are getting um, are turning for the worse, I guess, on, on many fronts, not all, but in on many because of the, the lack of that flow of aid. What are you hearing from the Ukrainians on your most recent visit? Um, the same thing, Noel. They the Ukrainians are fighting, continuing to fight, you know, really courageously and heroically. They are in the front lines of really trying to protect democracy against a a very evil, bad government in in Russia and Vladimir Putin. And they need uh, American support. They they are getting pretty good European support, um, but they really need the sixty billion dollar. Uh, supplemental funding that's sitting right now um, in Congress. And I, I just saw the news flash just a, a few minutes ago. They just finished the meeting in the White House. And, you know, right now it really is with the House Republicans. It's with Speaker Johnson to put this on the floor of the House and have a vote because I believe the vote will pass the Ukrainian funding if if they put it on the floor. So, I'm hoping the speaker, I'm hoping uh, Leader Scalise and others in the Republican Party will understand that it's it's American values and American interest to help Ukraine, to help them get to a place militarily where they can, 
you know, not defeat Russia, because I don't think that's going to happen, but that they can hold their own, they can be strong. And eventually, I believe if that happens, there will be a diplomatic solution that's fair and just. But right now, the ball is in America's court, and Ukrainians are looking at us and saying, please, you've been a great ally. We appreciate the support that you've given us. Please get us across the finish line so that we don't lose the war. And I think Ukraine is, you know, without American aid, is is at risk of, of losing this war, which would be devastating, not just for Ukraine. It'd be devastating for all of the European countries and ultimately would be devastating for America. Um, you seem frustrated by the congressional process. I've been advocating for single item bills up or down. Um I know I would love to see a, a vote on Ukraine and Ukraine by itself, up or down. Where are you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it, I'll, I'll just say this. You and I were both elected officials. Well, the political games that are being played in Washington right now are, are ridiculous. And they don't, you know, they, they don't represent the politics, you know, that I remember, uh, whether you were a Democrat or Republican. They're, right now, you know, they're they're being held hostage by a very few number of people, and that's not in our best interest. So, you know, we should be putting a bill on the floor right now for Ukraine funding. Um, there's also, you know, bills for Israel. There's bills for Taiwan. Um, but Ukraine right now is at a desperate need. And unless we want to see American sons and daughters, you know, fighting there, five years from now, 10 years from now, our best thing that we can do is help our ally that isn't looking for American, you know, men and women to fight. They just need the munitions right now. And I just don't get it. You know, one of the misnomers out there, when you give aid to Ukraine, 90% of that money stays in the United States. We produce the ammunitions here and then send them to Ukraine. And so that's helping our own economy. It's helping, you know, a labor force. There's a lot of benefits to that. So, yeah, I'm really frustrated because I, I've now I've been in the Ukraine or in the region three times since the war broke out. Um, I don't think people understand how bad Putin is. He is a war criminal. He has committed war crimes and he won't stop at Ukraine. It'll be Poland next. It'll be Slovakia. It'll be the Baltic states. And if that happens, the NATO you know, uh, treaty requires us then to provide American soldiers. So we don't want any of that. What we want to do is give Ukraine the ability to be strong, to uh, even this thing out, maybe gain superiority, get to a negotiation table, and 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 finally end this thing. You know, Newell, 30, you know, we talk in terms of money and politics and that, but what struck me is the humanity, 31,000 Ukrainians, have died so far and many of these are not soldiers they were lawyers doctors teachers that when the call went out two years ago to defend their country they came and defended it and it's just heartbreaking to see any of that and i mean it's one of the reasons i'm very proud of the work we've been doing we've been advocating for ukraine um uh, Eddie Hayes, who's our honorary consul here for Ukraine in Louisiana, is a phenomenal leader. We were both in Washington this weekend with thousands of people, you know, marching and rallying in support of Ukraine. And we just need to we need to help them because they are our allies and we will save lives 
you know, if we can support them. You said something earlier that kind of struck me. Um, are you are of the mindset that Ukraine cannot win this conflict or this battle? Because when the Ukrainians that I've talked to on this show, they don't believe that. They they believe they can eliminate the Russian influence, not only in the Donbass region, but in Crimea as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it is. it certainly is the stated policy of President Zelensky and the leadership of Ukraine that to get to a true resolution and, and negotiation, Russia is going to have to give Crimea back, which, you know, this is another thing that people don't know. The war didn't start two years ago. It started 10 years ago when, when yeah. Russia invaded the Crimea and unlawfully took that land. Um, and then, and then, of course, the Donbass, the area to the east of Ukraine. I, I, I will tell you, and again, this is—I'm not speaking with any governmental authority, but I did speak to a number of people, and you know, I think, I think there is a deal there to be made um, without all of that land necessarily being returned uh, to, to Ukraine, um, simply because of the fatigue factor. Simply because at some point. Ukrainians, like anyone, want the war to end. But there will have to be some regain of territory by Ukraine. Um, there will have to be some compromise on both sides. But if we don't put Ukraine in a position of negotiating from strength at a negotiation table, um, number one, they may never get to a deal. And number two, the deal that they would get to would, would be very harmful and very negative. And I don't think that'll be acceptable uh, within Ukrainian uh, society. So right now, I, you know, I hate to say this, but the pressure is on the United States and the pressure is on somebody from our own state of Louisiana, which is Speaker Johnson, to put this bill on, on the floor for a vote, because I think the votes are there. It just needs to be voted upon. And um, yeah. that's what's so frustrating about, about what's happening. How, how frustrated are Ukrainians uh, uh, with the the context that they're purely fighting this war on their soil and they really have not taken an offensive action to bring it to the Russians on their soil. There's been a couple of incidents and every time uh, the reaction of the uh, Russian population has been very concerning uh, when, you know, missiles or bombs are, are, are heave, heaved upon Russians on Russian soil. Do you hear any yeah, conversation about that? Yeah, yeah, you do hear conversation. First of all, they're very proud of the fact that, again, this is a, you know, a relatively small army compared to a Russia. And for two years now, you they've know, killed over a hundred. They've, I think, they've killed over a hundred thousand Russian sh- soldiers. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, I, look, Putin and Russia believed that this war would be over in five days. I mean, when they when they attacked in February 22, they thought Kiev would be surrendered and the war would be over. Well, obviously, that's not happened. And uh, the Ukrainians have shown themselves to be incredible warriors and very courageous uh, in protecting their own homeland. Um, So they take great pride when they do take the offensive. And they you know, they've gone a number of times across the eastern border, which would be the western side of, of Russia and mm-hmm. and uh and attacked they have blown up a couple ships russian ships in the black sea uh through these incredible sea drones that they use 
Um, so, yeah, there there is a sense of, of pride. But I will tell you right now, and especially the last few days, um, it just appears that with lack of munitions, you know, Russia is starting to gain a little bit of an advantage in some of these areas. And you yeah. can't let that spread. Um, and that that's the fear right now is that if without without the munitions and without the ability to defend yourself, you know, cities like Kherson and some of the cities um, into the south that Ukraine, um, you know, took from Russia last year, you know, could very well revert back. So, again, I, I can only be one voice. And, you know, uh, Eddie Hayes does the same thing to tell people that it, it is it is America's best interest to support our ally here. And that's not meaning that we, we don't deal with the border, that we don't deal with other domestic issues, uh, but we have to. I mean, those are important issues to the United States and Americans, but we don't have to give up our foreign policy in order to accomplish and solve the other problems. Uh, we're going to get to a break here, Arnie, but when we come back, um, are, are you comfortable with talking about some of the similarities of, of reaching a solution here between Ukraine and what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, yes, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Arnie Filko, former CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater New Orleans, will be right back, folks. Stay with us. Folks, we're visiting with Arnie Filko, former CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater New Orleans. He just recently returned from a trip to Ukraine. He's been uh, engaged in a program to, to help children that are living in that war-ravaged country uh, right now, and I think uh, Arnie, uh, you adopted two Ukrainian children. My both of my children are adopted. Is that correct? Yeah, we we adopted two beautiful uh, daughters, uh, Svetlana and Yana, in 2007, and from Ukraine, and they've been the blessing of our lives. And really, that's what got us, you know, so passionate about the country and and uh, and, and its people. And I just want to say, Noel, one of the things I'm really proud of is. You know, one of the reasons I was over there is we received a grant from a um, a family foundation with Ukrainian background to help the Ukrainian youth. And we're bringing really dozens of Ukrainian kids to summer camp this coming summer. We're buying sports equipment. We're doing some sports competition. So it, at least in my own personal case, it, it allows me to you know bring together my sports background and my my love and my passion for Ukraine. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of what we've been able to do. Absolutely. I, I know everyone wants to find a, 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 a positive diplomatic outcome here. I do see some similarities between what's going on uh, with Israel and, and Gaza, as well as what's going on here um, as it relates to the territories of Crimea, Donbass region, primarily that's where you have a, a lot of Russian influence what what is the solution in Ukraine? What would be acceptable? Because when you hear Zelensky talk, uh, it's like they need to be out, uh, and that Donbas, the Donbas is not up for negotiation, and they want Crimea back. Well, in a perfect world, that's what should happen. I mean, Russia, you know, unlawfully invaded Ukraine and took the Crimea, which is a very strategic area because it's the southern part of the country on the Black Sea, which is where all of the maritime uh, comes, or not all of it, but most of it comes out of. And then the eastern part, the Donbass, is an area, you know, with both Ukrainian and Russian ethnic folks. Um, and 
you know, in, in a perfect world, both of those would revert to being part of the country of Ukraine. You know, my only feeling is I wish that'll happen. Let it uh, let it happen, please. But if it can happen, um, get us to a negotiation where some of that land is returned and maybe there is some kind of buffer in the east um, that can be uh, worked out and and let peace be restored to Ukraine. You cannot continue to fight. I, I will tell you there is a fatigue factor because these these are average folks. These are not many of them are not professional soldiers, um, and you know they they want to get back to to their lives. So yeah, I'm hoping sure. that a just resolution can be reached. What are the similarities between that area, uh, Ukraine, uh, Crimea, and and in that area as well as in the Middle East? Is historically, uh, it has been. Uh, subject to a lot of takeovers uh, by the Muslims, the Turks, the this, the, you know, the Ottoman Empire in both cases having a significant amount of influence. So there are a lot of similarities there, right? Yeah, there are. I mean, it's, you know, the one similarity that, that I, I would say is you have to look at who's involved. And, you know, and I, you know, many people have used the term axis of evil, which is, I think, a pretty good term. I mean, you've got Russia, Iran, and North Korea really serving as a, a an axis of evil that is against Ukraine and killing Ukrainian people. And at least in the uh, Iran's case, you know, really involved heavily in the Middle East with terrorist groups um, killing Jews and Israelis. And, you know, I think we in the United States need to be very, very aware of that. Um, you know, the, the situation in, in Israel and Gaza is, is complicated. Um, you know, the atro- I will say this, the other commonality is the atrocities committed by Hamas on October 7 and the atrocities committed certainly earlier in the war by Russians against Ukrainians are, are war crimes. I mean, they should be condemned by everybody. I mean, you know, you've heard the accounts of rapes and beheadings and just horrendous things that someday hopefully will be prosecuted. Um, but there is a real axis of evil there, Iran being at the center of it, Russia being at the center of it, that's involved in both of these conflicts. Interestingly, there's been some discussion in the Middle East that uh, the president said the other day that he thinks that there's going to be a, a ceasefire and release of hostages. Hamas came out this morning and said that's not necessarily the case. Uh, it seems that Netanyahu is hell-bent on getting into Rafa uh, and, and bringing an end and cutting off the head of the serpent of, of Hamas. Um, and, you know, we, we keep talking about the two-state solution, but who who are you going to end up negotiating with? Because I think um Hamas um, the other day made an announcement or, or uh, there was a Palestinian group that made an announcement that they're no longer going to be involved in, in the leadership or in the governance of, of Gaza. And it it seems as like this is getting more difficult from a diplomatic standpoint because it's like we're not clear as to who we are negotiating with. And then none of the Arab states they all want this to be resolved, but none of them are really stepping up to really provide um, a landing place for Palestinians uh, because there is 
Gaza is not a landing place anymore, right? Yeah. Well, you, yeah. I think you've you've hit you've hit uh, the mark on a number of things. Look, I all of us, and I I am a you know I'm a member of the Jewish community. I'm very strong and pro-Israel. Um, there are several things that we need to happen. No, number one, the hostages need to be released. I mean, Absolutely. it's been four it's been four months now. There's you know, we think there's 140-some hostages. Nobody knows exactly how many are alive, but the hostages need to be released for the benefit of humanity and their families. Number two is um, any any person of any decency, it's very hard to watch what's happening um, in Gaza. It just is. To see the loss of life and children and the suffering, nobody wants that. But it's such a difficult situation because – if if there is any chance for future peace, um, which again is the ultimate answer after seventy years of fighting, you have to have two things. Number one, you have to have a partner uh, on the other side that wants peace, okay, and doesn't want to destroy you, which is what Hamas wants for Israel. It does not want peace; it wants to destroy the Jewish state. And number two, you have to have bold leadership. Um, on both sides, both the Israeli side and the Palestinian side. And, you know, for decades and decades, there has not been a Palestinian partner that is willing to come and be courageous and say, we will live side by side in peace and tranquility with Israel. And on the Israel side, I have to say this as well. Whatever happens with Netanyahu and whatever the future leadership might be, um, if you really want peace, then you've got to find that pathway. But the first thing that has to happen is there has to be security, because from an Israeli standpoint, what happened on October 7 cannot happen ever again in the history of this world. And you have to have a secure border and, and people feel like they can live in peace and, and prosperity. And if you can get that, then you have some chance for real discussion. But right now, we seem to be a long way from that. Uh, maybe the other Arab countries down the road when this conflict ends will play a role in all of that. We hope so. But right now, you know, we're dealing with a very difficult conflict that's been going on for a long time and a lot of loss of life. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, I think it's telling, though, that none of these Arab states accept Palestinians that are trying to flee. I mean, it's just amazing to me. And and when you go back and look in history, um, there really isn't anybody that wants them. In fact, one of the most difficult items to negotiate was always where would they end up? And and they're a victim of their own accord. I mean, because they're they're they they've planned to assassinate leaders of almost every country in the Middle East, Jordan, Syria, um uh, problems in Lebanon. It's not only just been with Israel, right? No, it's a, a lot of these countries. You take a country like Jordan, which has a significant Palestinian population, you know, you know, King Hussein, his father before that, I mean, they were very scared about um, about radical Palestinian, about Muslim Brotherhood, because, you know, it, it really was, you know, um, an initiative that could overturn their their government, same thing in in uh, the UAE and, and Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. I mean, there's a real concern among Arab countries about the radicalization and what it means to their own survival. So, yeah, it's 
it's very complicated, Newell. The only thing that yeah. I would say is this, is that it's been, it's been seven decades, almost eight, de- eight decades since Israel was created. Um, I'm, for the benefit of both Israelis and Palestinians, at some point, hopefully in my lifetime, we could figure out some way where we could live together, we can live in peace, we can live without fear of, of attack, it may not happen today. It may not happen five years from now. But that ultimately has to be the solution to all of this. It was interesting. Ambassador Crocker, I think, said this, that anytime someone calls you brother in the Middle East, watch your back. Somewhat telling. That might be the case. You know, there. unfortunately, when you've had courageous elected officials, uh, you know, Yitzhak Rabin and Sadat, you know, who have who have who have said, I, I'm going to stand for peace. Unfortunately, you know, radicals have taken their lives. So, um, Absolutely. yeah, I'm not sure you want to be called brother. <laughs> Probably not a good term right now. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on the work that you've done. The, the camp is going to be phenomenal, I know, because there is nothing that you do second rate. And we appreciate same. Thanks. No, I really appreciate the time and uh, the discussion. You take care. All right. It's Artie Filco, former CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater New Orleans. We'll be right back. We'll check in with Ian Hoke, who's in for Scoop. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.